I don't believe that balance exists. I believe it's wholeness. I'm whole to begin with, but I I have work to do. Wholeness to me is being able to be your own bridge to your heart, through your heart. I've been thinking a lot about nurturing this last little while. I'll tell you about an experience I had that really pushed me toward creating this podcast. But you can also talk about self-care and there's a great podcast called Thanks for Sharing. And she does a whole series on the self and really does an episode about self-care. And I'll try and put that in the notes. But self-care, and she kind of explains this too, it's not just bubble baths and bonbons. It's not just facials and pedicures. It's really about nurturing the self. And what is nurture? That's what we're going to discuss today. What does that word mean? To me, when I think about nurturing, it invokes an image of a baby or a young child. Nurturing a baby might feel like it is all about caring for the physical needs, but actually we know that physical needs alone are not enough to grow a fully functioning adult. In fact, without nurturing beyond the caring for the physical needs, we actually have an underdevelopment or a delayed development. Nurturing also includes honoring and tending to emotional aspects of care, mental aspects of care, and spiritual aspects of care. So what does nurturing this, these parts look like? Because they're not just the food, sleep, and clean that we think. For a young child, for that baby, the reason we give care is really simple. We feed children to help them grow. We change diapers to keep them healthy and feeling fresh and comfortable. We make sure they get enough sleep to regenerate and re-energize. These are the physical whys for the actions. And as we get older, we no longer need food to help us grow in the same way. We clean ourselves and we no longer need to sleep as much. But I think these two, because that was the way it was originally done, these get confused and really affect our ability to self-care. And we use these for self-care, maybe positively, maybe negatively. We'll talk more about that. The reason why it gets confusing is as adults, the need has changed into what we might call desire. Meaning as a baby, we needed food And maybe that food was milk. That was it. We still need food and can still actually we could function and we could live. We would stay alive on milk only. But is that all that's is the need the only valid reason as adults to choose that? The answer is no, because now what's come into the mix is desires and wants. And those are important wants and desires, they start to have a lot of influence, but we play this game and we'll talk about that. If nurturing was provided as part of care, which is allowing wants and needs, then as adults, allowing wants and needs is natural and easy. Nurturing as a baby could look like this. Think of a caretaker feeding baby food to a small child. The food is the need. 
but I bet you have experienced or seen a caretaker or been one yourself that starts to use these airplane noises, starts to smile and make large facial silly expressions in hopes of getting that small one to open up. The ability to open up is learned, and it's learned at an, e- at an early age. And that opening up is more than just for food. It's a metaphor for how we might show up in adult in our adult life. In a future episode, I want to tackle in, de- in depth Eric Erickson's work on how we learn that the universe is a safe place. There are distinct stages that we go through of development, and if we don't hit a developmental stage, then we are underdeveloped. We have an opportunity to develop that later in life, but each stage holds a kind of crisis to overcome. For instance, as a baby, the crisis is to grow and and to, to there's a huge difference in age zero and one and two. We grow completely exponentially in that time period. And so we've got to overcome the crisis of, of this growth and quite crisis is in quotes, right? But we overcome it by being fed, taken care of, getting enough sleep. And then, then we grow and we move on to the next stage. But emotionally, we learn in this stage to either trust or to not trust. So by the age of two and a half, three, we've got a clear picture that the universe is trustworthy or not. And many times, because the universe is truly trustworthy and wants us to understand that and our true selves know it, then it sometimes will present later in life as a crisis that will help us, quote, because it's not feel doesn't feel very helpful, but helps us to move on and to learn that lesson and to be able to accept that. So I'm really excited to to really d- dive deep into that information. It's it was fascinating to me. For many of us, this nurturing did not happen. And this may be the reason you struggle with self-care or self-nurturing. If you go back to episode 24 with Janice Webb, we talked about the subject and her book Running on Empty is a must read. If a parent was ill, if a sibling was ill, if there were a lot of children in the home, if there were stresses that were put upon parents or families, uh, catastrophic events, some financial difficulties, any kind of stresses, how could parents give all that was needed, that attention, that fine attunement, that face-to-face contact, as much as that baby needed it and was it was required. How can that have happened with those kinds of stresses in our lives? And it's not about blaming our parents, but getting clarity on where we need to heal is really important. We have got to know the hurt to heal the hurt. And not being comfortable with having wants and desires or nurturing is a wound because we are deserving and we need fulfillment in this area. So what happens is many of us begin to create mathematical equations when it comes to our wants and desires. And I'll explain that in just a minute. 
So, but think about the ways that you start to create mathematical experiences or mathematical equations within yourself about the judgment you put on a not a need versus a want. Do I really need it? Right. But we have to understand, you know, I just want to dig a little deeper into this point that nurturing in childhood requires more than just milk, diapers, and sleep. And it's not just nice. It's a scientific fact. The BBC reports on a study of adopted children from Romania orphanages where the ratio of caretaker was at best 1 to 15. They think by 1989, there were 100,000 children in orphanages, and some think more than 500,000 babies between 0 and 30 months lived in government care around that year, so the late 80s and early 90s. And they have done so much research on these babies because although they received milk, diapers, and a place to sleep, they have far higher rates of emotional, social, and cognitive problems during their lives. And experts believe it is the absence of nurturing or this attunement, this one-on-one care and nurture that causes these problems. So to be clear, I, I wanted to make sure I understood what they meant by these problems. So social problems are identified as poverty, unemployment, unequal opportunity, racism, and mal- malnutrition. Emotional problems are de- identified as anxiety disorders, behavioral issues, bipolar affective disorder, depression, dissociation and dissociative disorders, eating disorders, obsessive-compulsive disorder, and paranoia. And cognitive problems are identified as Alzheimer's disease, attention deficit disorder, early-onset dementia, epilepsy or related cognitive dysfunction, and mild cognitive impairment. In the book, The Myth of Normal by Gabor Monte that was just released in the end of 2022, he gives a good argument for the idea that most of these problems are rooted in trauma caused by not enough emotional attunement in childhood. And if we dared to believe this, our opportunity to rise as a species would grow exponentially because this discovery is a holy grail of health because the fix is simple. And it starts with having an understanding of nurturing or allowing wants and needs to be valid. Physical wants and needs emotional wants and needs, spiritual wants and needs, mental wants and needs. If we can understand the impact that these, this need is, we, ha- we need to have a need for wants and desires. That's important. We need one-on-one attention from zero to approximately one to two years old. They need to know that we are available enough. A great deal of us have not had enough, and there isn't a right amount. It's not like there's just five hours a day, six hours a day. Everybody's uh, different, and it's about what was enough for you. And there, I've heard studies say that like, if a parent gets a grade of like 67%, that's enough. So at school, that's not a great grade. But in parenting, it is. So it's not about perfection. And it's about when when there's a mistake, it's more about repair than it is about avoiding mistakes. But we've had a wound here because most of us came from a place 
I know it was even important when I was raising my kids that there was a, an idea that we needed to teach young babies how to self, self-soothe and that they needed to cry it out in order to self-soothe. And that I put in parentheses, self-soothe, because there is no such thing as self-soothing. A baby doesn't have a cognitive brain that says, it's okay, I'm going to calm down. It's not as bad as I think. My mom will come later. It's, it doesn't, the, the baby's brain isn't a function, doesn't function that way. And so all it does is just wears itself out. All it does is just give up. All it does is just tire out. And this causes this trauma, I think, inside these babies. It causes them this belief that what they want doesn't matter and how they desire mom needs to be shut down. And so no wonder why we don't know how to have an understanding of ourselves and we don't know how to nurture and care for ourselves in a better way. No wonder why we feel uncomfortable when we choose ourselves, when we choose to take care of ourselves, whether mentally, emotionally, spiritually, or physically, we have to have that equation, right? Remember we talked about that. We could just survive on milk. That is actually our biological need. We could live on an island. And if we had milk, we would live, we, our body would function, but we don't. And so we have all these possibilities and we have, so we rely a little bit on wants and desires. And there are a whole lot more possibilities for food, cleanliness, sleep, and attunement teaches us that wants and desires are valid and good and nurturing. But if we didn't have the necessary attunement, we begin to judge ourselves or feel guilty for wanting something or desiring something. We begin to equate whether we are worth the cost, maybe, or if we really are that hungry, if it's about food, oh, I shouldn't be hungry. I just ate or, oh, I would like that, but I'm fine with this. And we, we, we have this equation that, that goes on. We begin to equate whether we are worth the cost we equate, uh, which is a logical process. We try and use logic to make sense of this desire. And the truth is, is that wants and desires are not logical. They have nothing to do with logic. Me and my husband are, this is a lesson that he had to learn because for years and years, we would talk about it. He says, if someone asked me my favorite ice cream flavor, I wouldn't know what to say. And that's because there is no logical reason why you would have a favorite ice cream. It is does not live in that mental body. We do not make calculations about or, or equations about which flavor is the best. This is different. This comes from that emotional side. This comes illogically. It doesn't make sense. And that's okay. And we need to learn to build that muscle to, to really work within that, those desires and wants and let them live as much as those needs are. We need to have wants and desires. Feeding the child food feeds the body. But when a caretaker makes those airplane noises, laughs and is silly with the baby, gives the baby eye contact, this feeds the soul and tells the soul that they are worthwhile. When we don't know we are worthwhile. We don't feel we have worth or our worth is calculated or transactional. Hence that inner math 
that we that I just talked about. We need both food for the body and food for the soul, and this need is biological. When it comes to food, we may fight against the judgment our inner calculations have made by overindulging, because we just say, forget it, just eat whatever, or restricting. No, I don't really need that, right? It's a calculation that goes on, but neither of which, the overindulging or restricting, nourish the body or the soul. So it's important, I think, if we understand that little equation that goes on, it's, it's a step towards true nourishment. Some may worry that permission to want anything or to fill all desires could encourage immoral behavior. This is something I get. Well, we can't just tell everybody they can have whatever they want. And I would agree that this is maybe true for those overcoming a developmental delay. And maybe for a time, because that hasn't been the case, maybe that's a possibility. But I am convinced that when a child and with the support our inner child gets enough when they feel like they are enough, then they are fulfilled. They're full. The reach beyond what is supportive to the individual and society is a signal to something calling out for healing. If they want to go beyond what is fulfillment, that's something to look at. That means there's a clue there towards something that's difficult. And this is where often addiction lives. Addiction is a hunger for one thing, trying to be fulfilled by another thing. And so there is never the real feeling of satisfaction. To understand the need for attachment and nurture, we can look to a study by Harry Harlow. I don't know if you've seen this. I remember just being a little speechless when I saw this experiment. And they took monkeys, cutest monkeys, and they offered them two options. They offered them this molded monkey mother that was molded out of, it was out of like wire, you know, it was, it was very uncomfortable. And this pretend mother had the food. And then they made another pretend mother monkey that was soft and had a blanket and was uh, gentle, you know, was not so rough. So you had this, this one monkey that was uncomfortable, but it had the food. And then you had this other pretend mothering monkey who was comfortable, who was nurturing. And the monkeys chose the nurturing mom every time. They even, they would forego the nourishment, the milk, the food to be held, to, to have comfort. And I believe humans are the same. We need empathy, care, kindness, gentleness. And to many of us, we think, we might be thinking, yeah, that makes sense. I don't see what the problem is. Of course, you wouldn't abuse a baby. And that's the thing. We think of abuse as being, you know, we can all see how that would cause problems later in life. But this, what didn't happen, this attunement that did not happen registers in the body and the psyche and the development the same as abuse. And so if you had that care, if you had that caretaker that thought you were the world, then you're on your way. But there are millions, millions of individuals. It wasn't that their caretaker meant to hurt them. There were just other things going on. 
And when those other things are going on, we cause major problems to our society. We have all those different problems, cognitive, emotional, social problems, and they affect all of us. A few years back, I was part of a book club and I loved it. We would get together once a month and each of us would take turns picking out a book. And most of the time, our discussion had little to do with the book. I remember one time we got on this discussion and it changed me. There was one of the women in the group who had struggled with infertility. And we can imagine what that's like when you want a family so badly and it doesn't come. Well, one came and that was so wonderful, but she wanted another one, but it just wasn't going to be. And because of that, I think it gave her just deeper level of gratitude for her mothering, for her ability to nurture. And as we were talking one night, she said this thing that just blew my mind. She talked about her little boy and anytime that he wants something, she says, great. I love it. That would be awesome. Oh yeah. I totally could see how that would be great. (laughs) And I'm embarrassed to say that that was a mind blowing thing for her because she just validated his wants and his desires. And when birthday time came around, what would you like? Okay, I want this. It, it, it did nothing. It was not a promise. In my mind, I felt like it was my responsibility to let my child know that they couldn't have everything they wanted or that they needed to be grateful for what they had or that I didn't want to lead them on thinking they could get all this stuff. And it just in that moment, I realized that's not what they're asking for. That's not even why they're bringing it up. The real need in this moment when the kid says, Ooh, I want that is attention and validation. That's what they are really asking for. And if you are just as excited, yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah. I could see why you would want that. That's different. We become whole when we fully or wholly understand our wants and needs and desires and accept them without judgment or hesitation. Accepting them, accepting these desires and wants is not the same as fulfilling them. We are fulfilled when we honor the need, want, or desire, not when we acquire the need, want, or desire. And that's what she taught me. In that moment, that was fulfilling to her child to say, to be honored. Yes, I can see why you would like that. Yeah, I love it. I mean, how simple is that? And yet it wasn't my first move. My first move was to to teach my child this a little bit of lack or to not promise anything. I, I didn't want him to feel spoiled. I didn't want her to think that I was lying to her when I didn't buy it to her. And that's what it wasn't that's not what it was about at all. What really influenced this podcast was I often get woken up in the night with downloads. And a few months back, I had been speaking with a couple of men struggling with loneliness and maybe some different forms of addiction. And that night I was woken up and I wrote down what I was given, what what was coming to my mind. And so you'll see how much of that influences what I say and have said in this podcast. 
And I'm going to read what I wrote because I think it makes sense for many of us. Some, it might not speak to you and that's fine. Some things might sound weird and for reals, that makes me want to not repeat it or to edit it. But I chose in the end to just let it be what it is and just know that I think it's weird right along with you. It starts out a little poetic. Again, worried about if I needed to edit it. I'm just going to go with it. This was when I woke up in the middle of the night. I keep a notebook right by my bed and I just sit up and I just write. And this is what I was, that was, I wrote that night. Alone men cry at the pain lost in experiences where their pain wasn't witnessed. True nurturing is the witness of a person at every level, anticipating their thoughts, emotions, things that are meaningful to them, as well as physical wants, needs, and desires. It may feel uncomfortable to think one should be able to anticipate your thoughts and emotions. But as a baby, that is required. That is the pattern. Often these thoughts and emotions are geared toward physical fulfillment. And this is why the fix to emotional, how we feel, mental, false beliefs, and spiritual pain, which is ignoring what is meaningful to us as individuals, is often physically manifested in addiction. Again, true nurturing is the witness of a person at every level anticipating their thoughts, emotions, things that are meaningful to them, as well as physical wants, needs, and desires. I remember asking, okay, what's the difference? And it came quickly. Wants are things to acquire. Needs are things to things that are required. And desires are things longed for or yearned for. We mostly live from our head. And that is beautiful and needed. But also because the heart or the true self was not honored. As a result of being in our heads, we look at life logically or put things into some kind of mathematical equation. But needs, wants, and desires are often not logical to the mind, so they are dismissed. In the heart, or to the higher self, or the capital S self, all needs, wants, desires can just be. The heart can accept the idea of abundance. This place, this higher version of us, has no limits. All is possible. Notice pain in the chest. This is a reflection of the heart, unfamiliar with this, quote, heart logic or abundance. The essence of the heart logic is not to acquire enough willpower and discipline to overcome the world or to achieve to, or to receive. The goal is for the true desire to be completely fulfilled. The facade of addiction is that desire is wrong and that its fulfillment exists externally. Childhood didn't fill you up all the way, and you were designed to be fulfilled. The addiction is a witness to the hunger. It is your teacher and friend. One day you will overcome the addiction, and that will feel like a miracle. Christ's ability to perform miracles was not just because he was part God. His ability came from the fact that he claimed he was God. This is your journey. The leap of faith is like eating the apple in the Garden of Eden. 
Eve, quote, sinned and partook of the tree of knowing good and bad, the knowledge of good and evil, experiencing both. She understood the, the, the spectrum. And it was delicious, it says. You are both good and bad, and that is desirable above all other fruit. The work is in claiming. I'm injecting here. Rather than letting go of something, rather than getting rid of something, it's about actually claiming. So the work is in claiming. Maybe actions need to be changed or habits released. No one's journey is the same. But when your heart pain is gone, claiming yourself whole doesn't feel uncomfortable. This is being healed. This is salvation. Then you will perform miracles for others. The hero's journey. That's the end of my message. Your true self has no fear of being over-nurtured or over-cared for. There's no such thing. You are meant to be completely fulfilled. Too often we flounder between overfilled and hungry for something more. But when we are full, we have enough. We have enough energy and therefore we naturally move into helping others. So nurturing the self is key. I wanted to end this podcast with some ways that you can nurture yourself, body, mind, spirit, soul. So number one, write down and own the things you want and desire without judgment. These are nothing more than letters put together into words on a page. Just think of them that way, but let them live and breathe finally. Your wants, needs, and desires are holy and belong to your wholeness. Accepting them will help you feel more whole. Two, express gratitude to your body for all it has done for you, to your mind for all the calculations, creativity, and cognitions it performs for your good, to your emotions, how you feel about things. Your feelings matter. Express gratitude to the people and things you are connected to or find meaning in. Hold gratitude for all of these parts of you. Maybe even write yourself a love letter. It's okay. Nobody has to know. Number three, celebrate your accomplishments. Step 10 in the Thrive On community says, we made a detailed inventory of our successes and triumphs, and it asks you to list 100. And I wanted that to be difficult, but I know it's there. Too often, we stay away from patting ourselves on the back in order to keep a distance from bragging or thinking too highly of ourselves. But there's a whole spectrum between the two, and we need to lean more into that owning our greatness, that claiming this part of us that's divine, that knows, that is good at something, or that holds some specialness to it. Number four, spend time with people who love you for you. There is nothing wrong with sticking to a tribe when we need nurturing. And reaching out can be difficult at the same time. Our gremlins can really come out. That same feeling or idea going back to how we should be able to survive on milk only, right? Oh, I shouldn't need somebody. Oh, they're probably busy oh, I'm fine. I just need to calm down. There's so much resistance when we do that. And those ideas easily talk us out of asking 
for what we want or desire from others. For some, their tribe might be their fur babies, and that's okay. Whomever you choose to be with, be in the moment with them. Notice all that you love about being in their presence. Number five, nurturing for the body, mind, spirit, soul is getting outside in nature. Nature feeds us and nourishes us in many ways. For some, it comes at the beach with the sun, with the hot sun. For others, it's in a hike in the mountains with the cool breeze and the fresh air. But even a quick walk around the block can feel so good and allow that nurturing sunshine to penetrate our soul, right? Our body and soul. Number six, make self-touch a priority. Rub lotion or essential oils on your body. Pay attention to what you feel on your body and what your hand is feeling as you touch. Really be present with yourself. I am so open and quick to caress my loved ones or scratch their backs to show love, but I need to learn to do this for myself, to really use touch to connect with my physicalness and ground myself. A body brush is a great way to soothe anxiety and calm the mind. Number seven, listen to music. Sound is healing. It can bring us into the rhythm of the music. If you want to liven up, listen to upbeat music and dance. If you want to calm down, select music with a gentle and soft sound. But let your body come in congruence with that rhythm. Number eight, eat with intention. Something that truly nurtures all of you. The taste might call to you, the texture might be the thing you're craving, or the need to feed the cells in your body may influence your choice here. But just stop and really listen to what you desire, what you want, and then trust what you feel. Trust what comes to you and enjoy it. Just see how that feels to enjoy it fully without any of those compromises. Just fully enjoy it. Number nine, Take a nap or go to bed a little early. Give yourself permission to be tired. Contrary to popular belief, sleep is not a luxury. Sleep is your friend. It is okay to sleep. Or for some, the opposite may be needed. Maybe you just want to stay up late. Maybe for you, it feeds your soul to have a late night. Nurture yourself with sleep, however that looks for you. But just do it consciously. And lastly, live for the moments. Learn to catch the moments you are feeling nurtured. Maybe watching the sunrise on your back deck. Maybe getting up in the mornings and seeing your sleeping child. Whatever nurtures you, gives you those tickles in your tummy. Maybe snuggling under the covers just a few more minutes in the morning. Whatever it is, just let it in. Let it in. Whatever brings those sensations of joy Do that, do them intentionally and notice and get used to and allow yourself the feeling of being nurtured. We invite you to thewholenessnetwork.com where you'll find the wholeness library. Inside, you'll find tutorials, downloads, mini classes, and all sorts of streaming content for you on your wholeness journey.